0: Okay, three, three, two, one, start. Good morning, welcome again to our virtual Sunday worship service. Today we are trying a new setup. This is my home studio. I hope you like it. How are you and your family with the Circuit Breaker extension for one more month? I don't know how you are feeling, maybe some of you are rejoicing, hallelujah. I can work from home for one more month, but I believe more of us, most are seen or tiring, stressful and bitter, and asking how long. And asking why, Lord, why is this happening to me? No matter what you are feeling, be assured of this that God understands and He is still in control. So instead of asking why, ask God, what are you revealing to me about myself, about my situations? And about you, Lord, and then you listen to God. Listen to his assurance and then look to him for his grace and strength. Let us pray together. Lord, I thank you that we can gather here this morning to worship you, to look to you. And Lord, we are eager to hear from you, from your word. And we want to worship you and exalt your name. I pray that God, you will speak to us. Anoint me and help me to use your word to encourage your people, to help them to be faithful to you. Speak to us, Lord, I pray, in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are starting a new sermon series. We are learning from the book of Hebrews. Why this series? Remember at the beginning of the year, Pastor Kokfai reminded us that we are going back to authentic discipleship, growing to be the disciple of Christ becoming a disciple-maker, passing from one spiritual generation to the next generation. And this book of Hebrews will help us to know Jesus more, the Jesus that we follow, and it will motivate us to be faithful to Him and to follow Him all the way to the end. Let me give you some brief introductions about this book. Hebrew is a significant, magnificent book of the Bible. It is carefully and beautifully written. No other book in the New Testament integrates the Gospel with the Old Testament better than the book of Hebrew. Just reading through once, you will appreciate Jesus Christ. If you read through in deeper, meditate further, you'll be amazed by God and His plan. And if you take some time to study even more, you'll be filled with the love of Jesus Christ. I'm enjoying reading this book, meditating on it and studying it. I hope that you will join me too in understanding this book. He has so much jam for us. You heard about this phrase called good just got better? Well, this is a favorite slogan among advertisers. It's not that their previous product was, good, was bad, but that it was good just that the current one that they're going to introduce is superior. The book of Hebrews might as well use this name, the same slogan. The good in the Old Testament covenant just got better. Give you, an example here. Imagine all your life you stay in Pulau Semakau. Do you know what this island is all about? It is a landfill island in the southern part of Singapore where they dump all our waste there for the past many years. Every day, tons and tons of waste were was sent there, and the lifespan of this island is projected to be at 2035. Say you are staying there all your life, you like that place. You think that it was a good place. You say, I have the sun, I have the sand, I have the sea. And nature everywhere is good. I got running water, I have electricity, I can plant, I can fish. I have a nice house. I have everything I need. This is a good place. It feels like resort living. But compare the place at Pulau Semakau, you are living with Singapore. ah, It's a totally different comparison. just got even better you can move to any part of Singapore it will be so much better than Semakau, because that's the place where you place all the the waste though it is good for you then but there's something better for you and this is what this book of Hebrew is talking about here there's nothing inferior about the Old Testament this was the way God relate and God dealt with his people in the Old Testament the Old Testament served as a faithful guide to thousands of people over thousands of years. It was a good, uh, it was good being offered to men then, but Jesus came. When Jesus came, the good just got better. Who wrote the Book of Hebrew? Well, we are not sure who wrote it, but we know that he's known by the readers, and he knows Timothy. In fact, it is a written exaltation or sermon sent to the believers under pressure. So to whom this book was, uh, to, to whom the book was written? The book was written to Christians, believers. and Not just any Christian, but Christians who have good understanding of the Old Testament scriptures because the author will quote different examples of the Old Testament and relate it to Jesus Christ. There are also Christians who have undergoing great pressures to revert back to the Old Testament. And they live in a pluralistic society, just like ours, in, with so many different beliefs and religions and philosophies. Except that to them, Christian commitment will bring deprivations, marginalization and even hostility. They were suffering. Today, we too may face a little bit of the deprivations or marginalizations in following Jesus. But we are not suffering persecutions. Maybe one day, we must be prepared for that. And the people then will say look at the world all the various philosophies and religions have to offer they have it easy if god love us so much why is our life so hard why continue so this book seeks to answer all these questions so why was the book written first is to show the superiority of christ over all the good things of the old testament secondly is to challenge the readers to remain faithful to Jesus and not to let us back to the Old Testament in the midst of pressure and persecutions. In the same way, this physical world that we lived in have many good things to offer us today. These good things can make our lives better, easier and comfortable. But these things may not be lasting and not fully secure as we have discovered in the present pandemic. At the same time, we also discover that this world makes demand on us to conform to its way and its values, particularly if you want to live for Jesus. Life can be hard and tiring. So this book is showing that God is so committed to our joy and our glory. Life is a journey from weariness to rest, for a journey from alienations to into the presence of God. It's a journey from isolations into the city of God. And the only way you're going to get home is by fixing your eyes on Jesus. So in a nutshell, what is this book all about? This book is showing, it, showing us that Jesus is greater. Greater than the old, what the Old Testament has to offer. Jesus is also greater than anything that the world has to offer. He's greater. So he's worth it. And I'm excited study with you about this book here let's go through a good glance hebrew at a glance overview about this book i know that it's a bit small the words but i just want to give you a good overview here. the book are divided into three sections first is about god's uh, christ as a person and then christ's work as well as how do we respond to it let's look at the first sections the first three chapters about christ's person the majesty of christ it shows that how christ is greater then the prophets, how Christ is greater than the angels, how Christ is greater than Moses. And then next, the next few chapters, of chapter 4 to chapter 9, focuses on Christ's work. The ministry of Jesus Christ, how Jesus provides the greater priesthood, the greater covenant, the greater sacrifice in the greater sanctuary. This is the work of Jesus Christ in light of who Jesus is and his work. The third section chapter 10 all the way to chapter 13 talks about how do we respond to walk in faith as minister for Jesus Christ. So you see, the book focuses about Jesus Christ, but at the same time, the book also have warnings. There are five warnings here, and these warnings are to be taken seriously. In light of who Jesus is, what he has done for us, do not desert Christ. Do not desert Christ. Do not Totally forget about Christ and turn away from him totally in apostasy, in following other, your old ways or your back religion. So these are five re- warnings that we need to look at it together. And if you look at the first nine chapters, it's about doctrines. It's about teaching about Jesus. And then the last three chapters, it's about discipleship. How do we grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ in light of who he is? So let's begin with chapter one. Chapter One, focus on the greatness of Jesus. What a great way to start. The first part here, Hebrew chapter one, verse two, uh, chapter one, verse one to verse 2 A, talks about Jesus as God's ultimate revelations. Let me read to you the first two verses. In the past, God spoke to our ancestor, through the prophets in many times and in various ways. But in this last day, he has spoken to us by his son. The first emphasis here I want to mention is that God spoke. He is the God who communicates. God speaks. How wonderful. He is constantly revealing himself and his plans to us. He didn't just give us information in general and But he wants to let us into his heart. He wants us to know him. He's actually communicating himself. He wants a relationship with us. He wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want us to know about certain things, but he wants us to have him. How wonderful is this fact? He is not a force-filled kind of God, or a set of impersonal teaching or philosophy, or a set of certain materialistic worldview where nothing is personal But here, you experience a God, His emotions, the sense of His presence. We have a personal God who speaks. And then the next emphasis, In many times and in various ways, various ways. In the past, God has spoken in a piecemeal way through His servants, the prophets. Not just the prophets, I believe, but also throughout His creation, the natural revelations all reveal who God is. And also many times, not just once, but throughout the history, under different kind of circumstances, God has been constantly reaching to us. And the third emphasis here is that, but now, now, in this last day. What does it mean here? What God has done in Christ is the climax of what He had begun to do in earlier times. In the past, God has spoken in many ways, but now, only one way. And what is this one way? Jesus. What he's saying that from now until the end of time, there's no fuller, no other final expressions of God than Jesus. No ifs, no buts, nothing further. This is it. This is absolute. Therefore, pay attention. For example, during this COVID-19 situation, there are various ones from the government have communicated the various ministry heads. And then came, the minister communicates. But not many took notice. And when there's announcement that the Prime Minister Lee himself is going to communicate, guess what? Most people will take notice, especially NTUC supermarket. Because they are afraid there will be crops there. Or even shopkeepers take notice, just in case they have to close shop. Many people stop what they are doing and listen. Why? Because something important is coming. The message is important from this person, important person. Well, it's not the best illustration because there's only a small gap of importance between the prime minister and the other minister. But compared to Jesus and the other prophets, the gap is great. You may ask, why the son, Jesus, is God's ultimate revelation? That's the second point I want to make. Because Jesus is God. Jesus is God. These next few verses that I'm going to read, and also in the the book of Colossians chapter 1, expresses over the top who Jesus is and what he has done. It's kind of hard to find any other place in the Bible that says anything stronger than this. There are seven incredible portrayals of Jesus. Let me read to you these seven portrayals of Jesus. In this last day, God has spoken to us by his Son, whom... He appointed heirs of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representations of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided a purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. These are wonderful, wonderful verses here. I encourage you, please, memorize these three verses here. Great. To help you to appreciate who God is. Let's go through them one by one. The first one is the heirs of all things. What does it mean? It means that Jesus owns all things, Jesus rules over all things. Jesus owns all things, the whole universe, all the creations belongs to Jesus by divine appointment and that Jesus reigns over all of this. When Jesus became a man, he put on the same nature as you and me, as us. He took upon himself this airship as a man in order to restore to us what was lost to Adam, the first man when he sinned in the garden. And when Jesus Christ had won the victory there at the cross, He was appointed heirs of all things. So that's the first thing. Second thing, descriptions about Jesus. He made the universe. Through Him, God created the universe. Jesus Christ was the active agent in creation. Every created being, both spiritual and physical, were all made by Him. The universe of time, Space came into being through his agency. He was involved in the creations of everything. The third description of Jesus, he is the radiance of God's glory. Do you know that in the Old Testament, when God appeared to his people, it is often a very terrifying, scary experience. Take for example, the book of Job. God appeared at Job in a whirlwind, also known as a big hurricane. And then to the people of Israel at Mount Sinai God appeared in a storm of lightning and fire. Then in the wilderness God appeared to his people in the form of a pillar of fire by day and a pillar of cloud by night. And when King Solomon later on he built the temple, he dedicated the temple. You know what happened? Fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifices. And God's glory, God's radiance filled the whole temple. The people there trembled and they fell face down in fear in trembling and worshipped the Lord. The whirlwind, the fire, the radiance, the glory all express God's brilliance, God's beauty, God's infinite beings and God's holiness. It's overwhelming and shattering. You know that God's glory is both awesome and frightening. And God even told Moses, If anyone would see him in his glory, they will surely die. So what's the message God is telling his people? Don't mess with God. Don't mess with God. He is God. He is our creator. Take for example, the sun. Take the glory of the sun. If you look at it directly, it will destroy your eyes. In the same way, you cannot come close enough to God to gaze into his glory. You'll be burned by his consuming fire and overwhelmed by his glory. How then can we come near to God to look into his glory? Well, now we have been told here is that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. Jesus got into a human form like you and I lived among us. This is the unsurpassable, highest brilliance God coming to us in the form that we can see, we can grasp without being harmed Jesus the god man The fourth the fourth description about Jesus is that he is the exact representation of God All that God is the son is the son is the exact representative the exact representation and embodiment of God as he really is God's being is made manifest in Christ To see the son is to see what the father is like when you look at the Old Testament, in the prop Testament prophets in the Bible, example Isaiah or Jeremiah, they always say, Thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord. Meaning that this is not my idea. This is God's idea. They have to evoke God's authority. Jesus never stood as low as to say that. You know what Jesus says? He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, truly, truly I say to you. He's claiming the authority as God. Once, in the New Testament, the Jews were accusing Jesus of being a Samaritan, of having a demon. You know what was Jesus' replied? He replied, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham exists, I already exist. Jesus was making this proclaim claim that he is indeed God. So when talking about Jesus being God and the Heavenly Father being God, it's a great mystery in the Bible where we talk about The the Trinity, God, the Father, be God, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. The Bible reveals that there is only one living, true God. Yet the Bible also reveals that God eternally exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. These three persons are one God, co-equal, co-eternal, having precisely the same nature and the same attributes, worthy of the same worship and obedience. We worship not three gods, but one God. Yes, it is a mystery that is very hard to explain. It is not that one plus one plus one equal three. It's a bit like one times one times one equal one. And this Trinity here, there is a community. Community of love within the Trinity. If you want to read more, I recommend you a simple article in Christianity.com. Just search under Trinity there in the website. You can find it. It's a great succinct area. I couldn't go into detail today about the Trinity. So I've covered four descriptions about Jesus. Let me cover the fifth description, portrayal of Jesus, that he sustained all creation. Everything in the created order is upheld by Jesus' powerful word. God didn't create the world and then proceed to let it run on its own. He is personally and continually involved in sustaining it. His powerful words sustain life, holds matter together, maintains the universe in proper order. His words bring all the solar system, and all the Milky Ways, and all the other galaxies into beings, and his words is the one also that will sustain them all. This includes every molecule that we see. You know, all the woods here in your house, all the bricks in this building, in your building, and everywhere, all the creation, he holds it together. He holds your flesh. He holds your hair. He holds your skin. Your lung, your tissue, your fingernails, everything, he holds it together. But those of you who watch Hollywood movies, the superhero movies, it was one character, by the snap of his fingers, everything just dissolved away. And then another snap of the finger, everything was glued back. It's something that is, but it is even more. Because Jesus is using his words. If he were to stop his sustaining word, we will all cease to exist. That's how dependent we are on Jesus. I've covered five descriptions of Jesus. For the last two descriptions, I'm going to come back to it again at the end of my sermon. Let me pause here to help us to think about the implication of these five awesome descriptions about Jesus Christ. I mentioned earlier that the book of Hebrews was written to people who are like us in Singapore, they live in a pluralistic urban society in which everybody has their own various gods, religions, and worldviews. Not a culturally or religiously homogeneous society. Therefore, to say that Jesus is unique, he's superior, and the ultimate expressions of God, it sounded incredibly exclusive. It can be offensive. It can sound proud and intolerant was very very difficult for them to claim it and also difficult for others to hear it so what does the author to say to these readers who are in that kind of situations and to us today what the author is saying is this don't you dare back off don't you dare back off don't put Jesus on the shelf with any other prophets or wisest, or religious leaders, or philosophers. Jesus will not stay on that shelf. He's either above them all, or below them all. Why? Why? Because of the nature of his claims. Jesus is very conscious of being the transcendent, uncreated one. The God of the universe. It permeates everything he says. It's behind everything he does. It's on every page in the Bible, in the New Testament, such that you cannot separate Jesus from his teaching about his love, about ethics. Everything he teaches is based on the self-understanding that he is God. Now, N.T. writes in his book, For All God's Worth, he wrote this about Jesus. Let me read to you. How can you, live with the terrifying thought that the hurricane has become human that the fire become flesh that life itself came to life and walked in our midst christianity either means that but it means nothing it's either the more devastating disclosure of the deepest reality of the world or it is a sham a nonsense a bit of deceitful play acting most of us are un- unable to cope with saying either of those things condemn ourselves to live in the shadow shallow world in between in between he then proceeds about what is the appropriate response to jesus christ is to share unadulterated worship of the true and living god following him whenever he leads he go on to say this worship is not an optional extra for Christians, nor self indulgent religious activity, it is the basic Christian stance and the only truly human stance. Well, you see, if this is who Jesus is, then you've got to throw everything in your life down at his feet and say, God. Command me, God, command me. So either it's a shame, it's a lie, then he's wicked, or he's lunatic, cuckoo. Or else, everything in your life has to revolve around him. There is nothing in between. That's why there's no lip-wornness, there's nothing in between. There is no other positions. There is nothing in the middle. You need to be extreme for Jesus. Jesus forces you to be extreme extremely loving extremely humble because of who he is but extremely devoted extremely committed to him because of what he has done for you he is god the creator of the universe the sustainer of every atom and molecule including yours not his plans revolves around your plan but your plan revolves around his plan his plan has always to reveal himself to us and his plan is always to care for us and you know what one of the way he revealed himself and show his care for us is through angels angels interesting topic right the readers of Hebrew seem to so very fascinated with angels most probably with the role that angels play in bringing the law of God to God's people so the author next devoted 14 verses to to compare Jesus with angels. Who are angels? You may be asking. Well, if you look to the Bible and later on we will look to the book of Hebrews, that angels are personal spiritual beings created by God to serve Him and to serve His people. They are real. Though most of the time we cannot see, them, they are spiritual beings. The Bible talks a bit about their role in the heavenly thoughts a bit of a role in the heavenly realms as well as their roles on earth. And here in the book of Hebrews, the author added that the reader's understanding, um, the, the author didn't correct the reader's understanding. Rather, he added to the reader's understanding of angels to show that how Jesus is more superior in his identity and in his work. Earlier, the author gives seven superlative statements about who Jesus is. Now he's going to quote seven Old Testament verses in comparing Jesus' identity and roles with angels. Time does not permit me to go through each and every one of them. But you got to study that in detail of all the verses there in your CG Bible study. I'm going to just briefly mention it in the summary here. In verses 5 to 14, it says that Jesus is greater than angels. You know why? First of all, jesus has a greater name the son the son he talks about that jesus is the future messiah king the future savior king that's going to rule over the earth he has the greater name the son and secondly jesus is been worshipped by all including angels as the creator of everything including angels and he is the reigning king and the angels are marrying. His servants. So what the author is trying to say is this. In the way that you understood and honored angels, do so with Jesus. But to an even greater degree. To a greater degree. You may be asking, so why God bothered to create angels? Well, you look at the passage there. It gives you two reasons. Number one, Angels are created to worship his son, Jesus. In chapter 1, verse 6, it says here again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. That's the first reason. The second reason is to serve his people. In verse 14, it says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who inherit salvations? There you have it, to worship God and to serve His Son. John Piper uh, summarized it in this way. Why God created angels? That Christ be glorified and you be satisfied. Angels are good, but they are merely God's instrument. They have their limitations and they are created beings. Therefore, they cannot fully replace the God-shaped vacuums in our lives. Today. God also provides us with many good things in life. We have good leaders, good political leaders. They are decisive. They are wise. Some of them are wise. Some of them are righteous. We have all. Some of you have good spiritual leaders, the gifted teacher that can expound the word of God, inspiring. Some are compassionate. Some are even anointed with great powers, and God has blessed us with good relationship. Relationship like our spouses, our children, and friends around. And God even bless us with good things, our resources, ability to think, to solve problems, and also to make money, to earn a living. However, these good things are not to replace God. Though these good things are good, but they don't last. And they can be unstable. And most of the time, they will disappoint us. So don't focus on these good things, but focus on the best. What's the best? God himself. God is always for Christ. And God is always for us. Incredible, isn't it? Incredible. Let me just end this sermon by going back to the last two descriptions about Christ. You will see further how much God is for us. How much God loves us. The sixth descriptions about Jesus is that he provides purification for our sins. Sins is the terrible and great reality in the world. We all know you see evil everywhere. And later in chapter 3, the author shows that God is angry with sins. You know why? Because disobedient insulted who God is. And also insulted God's desired plan for us. And it's in His holy anger. In this holy anger is what makes the purification for sins necessary. So God gave His sons... for our sins so that our sins can be forgiven our hearts can be purified the forgiveness he has won is permanent and because the barriers between God and humanity has been removed we cannot enter into his presence such a provisions for our beliefs call forth for us a response of a heartfelt gratitude to him and the seventh descriptions of Jesus is that Jesus sat down at the right hand of God. Sat down. This is a posture that indicates that the work of redemption has been completed. No more other work needed to gain access to God, to gain approval from God. No more. Jesus sat down. Where he sat down? At the right hand of God. Because of his glorious triumph over sins and death, God highly exalted him. It's a place of exaltation to his right hand. He, He gained victory over anxiety, victory over insecurity, over sickness, over sins and even death. Jesus earned it all triumphantly for God and for us. So, in conclusion, how can we experience this transforming glory of Christ Jesus in our lives today? That we can experience Uh, we can experience the best from God. Do you know that in the old days, people will use wax to seal an important document. They took a piece of wax, softened it with heat, and then put it on the document. Then they brought their stamp. The stamp had a seal, maybe in their face, with their face on it, and then put the stamp on the softened wax which permanently shape the wax into the image of the seal. If you try to stick the seal on a piece of wax, they have not been softened. Two things can happen. Number one, it will only make a superficial impression on the surface, but it does not actually shape the wax. Only superficial, it does not shape the wax second thing could happen is that it will break the seal because it is not soft so two things in the same way if you try to get the glory of god into your life by obeying the law by telling yourself i'm going to live a good life by my own effort by just following faithfully the law the same two things will happen number one you can succeed it and it can be a pretty good person but it's only on the surface on the surface you can be very moral but inside you are filled with pride filled with cruelty filled with superiority at the same time filled with insecurity the other thing that it can do to you about living this good life is that you try harder to live with it and then guess what it can break you it can shatter you because you feel like you are a failure because you can never live up to it. So what got to change? How got to change that we can experience the best? We can experience the glory of God transforming our life. Something has to change in our hearts. Something has to melt our heart, And that something is what Jesus did on the cross. So I encourage you today to be melted by God's grace. The only way... the holy God to relate to us was to adjust to us he became a weak human being he purified our sins by dying on the cross for us there on the cross Jesus got silent treatment from God because he was bearing all our sins it was hell to him it was an infinite agony for him to lose his relationship with his father he took on what we deserve so that we can have a relationship with God now asks us to surrender to Him, to follow His word and to follow His will. So be obsessed by God's grace. Be obsessed by His love. Let it change you from the inside. Be, melt, be melted by the grace of God as shown in Jesus Christ. So tonight, today, if you do not know Jesus Christ personally, you can invite Him into your life right now. Let him change you from the inside out. Later on, I'm going to end with a prayer which I prayed when I was 17 years old. At that time, I invited Jesus Christ into my life. And for those of us who have been following Jesus, ask yourself, what does Jesus mean to you? What does Jesus mean to you? Is he transforming your life? Are you melted by his grace? Or are you merely just following the law? Or filling your life with good things? It is time to fill your life with the best thing. Yield to Jesus. Hope in Jesus alone. Bow at at His feet and say, God, command me. Let us pray. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Today, if you do not know Jesus and you want to invite Jesus into your heart, you can pray this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my life and invite you into my life. Forgive my sins and make me the kind of person you want me to be. If you say that prayer, Jesus will come into your life. And for the rest of us, who have known Jesus, let us pray. Lord Jesus, you are our creator, we worship you. You are our Lord, we worship you. You are our sustainer, we worship you. You are our king, you are our savior. We thank you that God, you came down to earth just for us. And also you created the angels to serve you and to serve us. All because God, you want to have a relationship with us. And I pray that today our response to you is not to put you in the shelf, but to put you as the first place in our lives. Everything on our lives will be ordered by you. will be melted by your grace that we will surrender to you. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As Pastor Kokfire has mentioned, we will now uh, break bread, partake of the Holy Communion. Please get ready the bread and wine. If it's not ready yet, you can pause this video, get it ready, and then come back and continue. If you are a believer, I invite you to partake of this ambulance. If you are not yet a believer, please do not take the ambulance. But take this time to reflect about what Jesus has done for you. Let the bread which symbolizes Christ's sacrifice, and the wine, which symbolizes His blood, that purifies our sins, fill our hearts with gratitude, hope, and strength. Let's take some time alone with Jesus right now, thanking Him, claiming the blessings of forgiveness, and claiming His presence, His healing, and His love. Let's partake of the bread and wine together. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you very much for dying on the cross for our sins you bear all our burdens you bore all our sins all our darkness you nailed it to the cross thank you for purifying our sins and thank you Lord for being present with us today we come we look to you for your forgiveness we look to you for your blessing we look to you for hope for strength during this time and we also look forward in hope of your coming again thank you that god today we can remember you in jesus most precious name we give thanks amen, amen. next you will see some questions these are the some questions for you to to discuss if you are here um with Together with the family or later on in your CG, Virus CG, you can discuss these questions. Which of the portrayal of Jesus touched your heart and why? And what is the appropriate response? Individual one share about this. The next question is: how do you feel about Jesus' claim in in our pluralistic society? What should be our response be to the people around us? So have a good day. God bless you. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.